The Widows of Eastwick by John Updike Those of us who are acquainted with the business of sequels were not surprised that the three godforsaken sorceresses should be reintroduced with such high-camp fanfare, nor that the husbands they had concocted should not prove durable. Satan counterfeits creation, yes, but with inferior products. Alexandra was the first to be widowed. Her husband Jim had succumbed to cancer and she had embarked on a tour of the Canadian Rockies. This allowed her to waste almost 50 pages on a Lonely Planet travelogue in which she could re-establish her daringly un-PC credentials by taking the piss out of a solitary old fag and to recap the plot of the Witches of Eastwick. Alexandra, Jane and Suki, all divorced women in their thirties, had celebrated their goddess of sexuality by hanging out with Jack Nicholson, a.k.a. Daryl Van Horn, who had then done the dirty on them by marrying the innocent Jenny Gabriel, so they had put a curse on her and killed her with cancer. But Jack didn't mind because he turned out to be gay and shacked up with Jenny's brother, Christopher. Whatever. While she lay awake at night, racked with guilt about the damage she had done to her daughter Marcy by letting herself be portrayed by Cher in the movie. The next Christmas, Alexandra heard from Jane that her husband had also died of cancer. Let's go to Egypt, Jane said with her usual sensuous sibilance that she used intermittently and Alexandra hesitantly accepted the opportunity for another Lonely Planet roundup, interspersed with a pointless hex on a bat, an endless chat about snoring cock, incontinence, pussy, cock, death, ass and cock, that was totally unconnected to the preoccupations of a male writer in his late seventies. But she wasn't sorry to get home, nor was she surprised to get a call from Suki saying that her husband had also coincidentally died, and why didn't they all go to Eastwick for the summer? Isn't it strange that we're staying in the house that Jack used to own, where we did all the orgies and magic, said Alexandra. Not really, Suki yawned. I saw an old lover of mine, Tommy, in town. He doesn't fancy me any more, even though he's lost an arm. Getting old is such a bummer. Do you remember Joe? Alexandra asked, thrusting her pelvis, the bloke I used to shag for New England. His daughter's baron. Yes, yes, Jane said testily. I did a lot of fucking in the hot tub too, you know, but I kept getting hit by bolts of electricity. Let's do some magic. Satan's mark is upon our presence. Really? The three enchantresses summon the cone of power and try to assuage the guilt and right the wrongs that have tormented them. A firebolt rends the ceiling and Jane lies dead, struck down by an abdominal aneurysm. It was Jenny's brother, Christopher, that did it, Suki cried. How should I stop him? I don't feel so good myself, Alexandra groaned. I'm just going to patch things up with Marcy and get Joe's daughter pregnant, and then I'm going to die. There's no time, Suki yelled. Tommy's arm has grown back, but I'm going to fuck Christopher to stop him killing us. Hmm, Christopher mused. I suppose even a gay could fancy Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Do you mind if you just use your hands? Alexandra felt a lot better. She was happy to accept Suki's ridiculous explanation. Christopher had stopped using Daryl's electron machine to kill her. Anything to end this book as fast as possible. She was tired of being the receptacle for an old man's fantasies, and even Updike appeared to have lost interest in his characters. Still, you should never rule out another money-spinning sequel. Shall we go on holiday again? She asked Suki. The digested read digested. The magic has gone. <laughs>